Welcome to the Abide Podcast, where our goal is helping others delight in Christ for the sake of becoming more like Christ with the hope of multiplying disciples of Christ. Good morning or afternoon or evening or whatever time of day it is for you. And welcome back to the Abide Podcast. Now, some of you might be thinking that I said we would come back in spring, and that is true, but I wanted to do something special and do a mini-series this winter. So we are back for three weeks, and we have a really special topic that we're going to be talking about over the course of the next three weeks, and I'm calling this series uh, Marks of a Disciple. And so this is kind of a introduction to what the spring series is going to be about. The spring series is going to be about disciple making, and you can't really understand disciple making without first knowing what a disciple is. And so we have defined here at Coastal College um, what a disciple is, and this is our definition. We say that a disciple is a devoted follower of Christ who rightly thinks about God with their mind, supremely treasures God with their heart, and obediently serves God with their hands. That definition combines what we like to call um, head, heart, and hands, the three aspects or characteristics of a biblical disciple. We are going to spend one week on each of those characteristics, one week on head, a week on heart, and a week on hands. And so for this first week, we're going to be talking about head, and I have college pastor Chris Cummings joining me again. He's been on a couple other times last season. So Chris, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, glad to be back. Frequent flyer. Frequent flyer. Yeah, that's right. I should be starting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a punch card yeah, for every time I come in. <laughs> well, Chris, you've already answered my question um, for every person on my mm-hmm. podcast. Twice. 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 So I won't make you answer it again. We, are, we all know what your favorite smell is. Um, so we'll just skip over that so fine if you missed chris's last two podcasts then please go back and listen to them so you can find out what his favorite smell is yeah if you don't go back and listen you'll never know you'll never know you'll just be sitting there wondering man i wonder what he loves to smell and you won't have a clue you won't have a clue so So you should go back and listen yep well chris to open up the discussion i want to ask you this very broad question of just what role does the proper head knowledge of God play in being a biblical disciple? Yeah, um, man, when it comes to head knowledge and and how we think about God, um, it's one, it's just like all these roles, head, heart, and hands, Mm -hmm. incredibly important. You know, I don't know if I would ever say that one of those three roles is more important than one of the other three. I think collectively Mm -hmm. they put us all in in the biblical disciple kind of, frame. Uh, But when it comes to our knowledge of God and how we think about God, um, it's incredibly vital as to what comes to our mind when we think about God. A.W. Tozer um, Mm -hmm. once uh, famously wrote and said, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us or something like that. It's not an exact quote, but (laughs) paraphrasing, you get the idea of what Tozer says. And and he's right. What we think about God is incredibly vital, incredibly important because it determines who we actually worship. And I think that's the biggest thing about our head knowledge of God is Mm -hmm is oftentimes um, we can we can use the same language of God. Like I can say I worship God, and you can say you worship God, and we can have someone else in this room that say that they worship God. And all three of us can be talking about a completely different God. Right. And it all depends on how we think about God in our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
our knowledge of who God is is incredibly vital, incredibly important, because it dictates who exactly it is that we are worshiping. Mm -hmm. And so you can have a biblical concept of God in your mind, but change a few things about who he is, Mm -hmm. and then you can be worshiping an idol that you call God and not the one true God himself. And that's inevitably what happens is we have people all across the world that worship an idol that they call God, but it's not actually God because what they've done is they've taken for themselves bits and pieces of who God has revealed himself to be in the Bible and has used those pieces to create a God that they like, Mm. but they've left out some pieces that are revealed in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And now what they've done is they've created a God after their own image and after their own likeness. And inevitably you worship a God, an idol that you call God and you don't worship God himself. And so I think a big role that head plays in us being a biblical disciple Mm -hmm. is really it dictates who it is that we are actually worshiping, Mm -hmm. whether that's the one true God or whether that is someone else entirely. Right. It's the foundation of our faith, essentially. You know, you can't be, you're not expected to worship God in the way that he rightly deserves if you don't know the God that you're worshiping. Right. Right. Like you can't worship Jesus properly if you don't first and foremost know one who Jesus is and two, why he is worth following and worshiping and praising. Yeah. Yeah. And and even when the other elements of a biblical disciple come into play, heart and hands, Mm -hmm. if your heart is gladly stirred Mm -hmm. for a God that's not the God of the Bible, the Bible calls that idolatry, like straight out of the gate. That is straight up idolatry. Mm -hmm. And then likewise, if if your hands are at work and if you are serving a God that's not the God of the Bible, then your serving is is completely in vain. It's like it's completely pointless and completely meaningless because the God that you serve isn't that God. And so Mm -hmm. head knowledge of who God is really shapes mm-hmm. everything that follows after it of just yeah. our heart and our hands and and all of it. And so it is it is vitally important. What we what comes to our mind when we think about God is incredibly 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 important. Yeah. And kind of going off of what you were saying earlier about, you know, we can have three different people in this room all talking about God yeah. and we can be talking about three different beings having the proper knowledge of who this God of the Bible reveals himself to be truly and genuinely frees us from the bondage of religion in general, right? Religion is man seeking God, man seeking to be a better version of himself so that he can be approved by God. But when you understand who the God of the Bible is and understand that the God of the Bible chases after man, despite our sinfulness, gives us free grace and forgiveness, Mm -hmm that we don't deserve, that then in turn shapes our view of not only God, yeah. but also ourself yeah. as well. And it frees us from this bondage of trying to prove ourselves and to be enough and good enough when that's not what God is asking. He's just asking for our heart and our obedience. Yeah. And, and it like it, that, that also that knowledge is given to us to stir up genuine affection for God, Right. you know? And so, when you have people that that love God, but it's not the right God, you know, mm-hmm. then you that love and that affection is just is completely misplaced. Right. And so, um, yeah, how we view theology and how we view God is so incredibly important because it will dictate every every part of our life mm-hmm. like that follows. Right. And I think a big thing that it dictates. Well, there's a lot of big things that it dictates. Yeah. 
But one of the things for me that I think it primarily dictates is um, being able to know who God is shapes my view of myself. Mm. You know, I know these truths about myself that I am a child of God. I'm co-heir with Christ. I'm, I stand holy, blameless, and righteous in God's eyes because I know that God the Father has adopted me, Christ redeemed me, and the Spirit has sealed my inheritance. Yeah. You know, I know these proper truths about God, and that way I can have a proper view of myself in light of that. Yeah, yeah, it our knowledge of God shapes our identity mm-hmm. and who we are. Because even when you go back to Genesis, we are created in the likeness of God, right. which means that our identity, the very essence of who we were created to be mm-hmm. um, and who Christ redeems us to be um, is very much dependent on who God is because mm-hmm. we are made in his likeness and we are remade through Christ mm-hmm. in his likeness right. again. And so the more, like you said, the more we know God, in our minds of just who he is, well, the more we know about him, mm-hmm. the more it inevitably will shape our own understanding of who we are mm-hmm. because we our identity is directly tied to who he is. Right. And so it's interesting, you know, the more we discover about God, the more we inevitably discover about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, it's kind of telling that the more we know about God dictates the more we know about ourselves because there's so many people out there who are trying to figure out themselves, find their identity, what's my purpose. Yeah. And and all of it's a lot of it's apart from God. Of, exactly. And they're still confused. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you want to find your purpose and your identity, go and look towards Jesus. Yeah. And who he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, what are some biblical examples or even commands in the Bible about properly knowing who God is. Yeah. Um, you know, the the first set of verses that come to my mind is Colossians 1, 9 through 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I have them on my phone, so I'm going to read them. So okay. if you're listening, don't think, wow, Chris is quoting this. He memorized the whole thing. It's like, I wish that would have been awesome. But uh, <laughs> transparency, I'm just reading it from my phone. And so uh, these verses say, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Um, I love that verse, um, and I think what it does is it really... Mm -hmm highlights, I think, uh, the importance of uh, having a right understanding of of God in our minds. And what we also see is we kind of see the aftermath of a right knowledge of God in our minds. Like Mm -hmm. it talks about uh, that we bear fruit from this right knowledge Mm -hmm. uh, and not only fruit inwardly where we are sanctified, changed in finding more of our identity in Christ, Mm -hmm. which inevitably leads to more sanctification, Mm -hmm. right? The more of Christ you know, um, and the more uh, you begin to realize who he's created you to be, the more that sanctification process will naturally begin to occur within someone. Mm-hmm. And so that fruit bearing is not only this inwardness of the fruits of the spirit begin to manifest themselves through sanctification, but we also see it, it's this external thing, too, that there's good works that are produced through the inward sanctification, mm-hmm. good works produced out of us. It's seen out and through us. And mm-hmm. so. As Paul writes this letter to the church in Colossae, uh, he's 
telling them, man, when you flood your mind with more and more knowledge of who God is, man, it leads to fruit bearing. It leads to, to it leads to, to, to right working with our hands, mm-hmm. right? It, it leads that direction as right. we increase in knowledge, but it also goes on and it talks about that um, this knowledge of God leads us to endurance and patience as well. Mm. That for the Christian, man, there's, there's a lot of endurance as Christians. When you face hardships, um, persecutions, whatever it might be, there's that, that degree of, uh, of uh, endurance that you have to, f- to face. And, and often what, what we need to do in those moments where we face endurance is to really preach the scriptures to ourselves. Yeah. And it's really hard to preach the Bible to yourself <laughs> when you don't know don't it. Know it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like like right now in our college ministry, we're getting prepped for the spring semester. Mm-hmm. We've decided and landed that we're going to uh, teach through and study through the book of Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really excited about Nehemiah. And so spoilers, if you're a student of ours that's listening to this, we're studying Nehemiah. So you <laughs> just get ready if you want to start reading now. It's great. But it's fascinating. In Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah uh, tells the tells God to remember, mm-hmm. right? He just, he just, he's heard that the walls of Jerusalem have been burned. The gates have been burned. Everything's destroyed in Jerusalem. It's just a hot mess. Mm-hmm. He's heard this. He fasts. He prays. He weeps. He mourns for a considerable amount of time. And in the middle of his prayer that we see in Nehemiah chapter 1, what we discover is that Nehemiah tells the Lord to remember a promise, to remember a promise that he made Moses, Mm -hmm. that even if God were to scatter his people, that if they were to return to him and trust him, that he would bring them back to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that Nehemiah tells (laughs) God to remember. Because... (laughs) God doesn't need to be reminded of anything. It's not like God forgot. Like, bro, I gave you that yeah, promise. Yeah. That's from me. It's not it's not like God's like, "Oh, right, the covenant, my bad." Like, you're quoting me to yeah. me. Like, God doesn't forget. He's not in need of remembering. And so what you find is that when Nehemiah says to remember, it's almost as if he's preaching that remembrance to himself. <laughs> yeah. He's not it's not so much saying, God, you remember. It's right. more so saying, God, help me remember. And then he quotes. Mm-hmm. He quotes from Deuteronomy four. Mm-hmm. And he quotes what the promise that God makes to Moses, just outright right there. Yeah. And man, when when we are faced with moments in our lives where we desperately need to endure mm-hmm. Um, man, memorizing scripture, quoting that scripture back to us, preaching the goodness of God's faithfulness to us, even in the middle midst of distress, just like Nehemiah. I mean, everything's destroyed in Jerusalem, and he preaches the promises of God to himself until his heart's glad in who mm. God really is. Yeah. And so, you know, what, what Colossians also tells us from Paul is he says, man, this knowledge of God leads to endurance. And one of the reasons why I think it it leads that way is because it stores up in our minds this knowledge of who God is to where when our hearts are weary and when our hands are burdensome, mm-hmm. our minds can remember the goodness of God right. that can fuel our hearts and fuel our hands to mm-hmm. keep serving mm-hmm. and loving the Lord well. And so um, I think that's just a out of Colossians 1, 9 through 12, we see just really the importance of knowledge of God yeah. and how it, it, it f- and how all these things kind of funnel out mm-hmm. of that knowledge of who God is in our in our minds. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of why we stress so much um, the interpret stage of Bible reading is yeah. because how can you be transformed by something that you don't understand? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to first understand it to even 
be able to think about it properly and be transformed by it. And um, I think that summarizes really, really well just the importance of knowing God and what it produces within us. Um, but I, I want to hit on the point about how, you know, God is a supernatural divine being. And mm. so in order for finite beings to understand something that is infinite, uh, we have to have that divine revelation. And so um, in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 14, I also have not memorized this, so... Just want to let you know I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah. um, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And that just highlights the fact that these things, this knowledge that we know about God hasn't come from human beings just imagining up what their ideal God would look like. It's, I mean, there are plenty of people who do that, obviously. Right. But that is what you previously called idols. Mm -hmm. This God of the Bible has revealed himself to us, and it's his divine wisdom and revelation and insight into who he is through his spirit that allows us to know these deeper intricacies of his character. Mm. And so trying to understand God without the help of God himself is <laughs> impossible. Yeah. No, you can't do it. Yeah. And that's why when it comes to the abide Bible study method, mm -hmm. the one of the reasons why we created this method was because we wanted to stress and emphasize the importance of prayer, which we call acclimating in the right. abide method, but the importance of prayer before studying the Bible, because like what you just said, the reality is that this is a divine book and it would be ridiculous for us to think that as finite beings that we can understand a divine book without divine help. Right. And so we have to prepare our hearts and invite the Holy spirit mm -hmm. to come in and reveal the goodness and the truth of God, because without it, we will make up whatever we want to make up about without God. it. Cults form. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, and and you have a lot of people, right, who right. have read the Bible from cover yep. to cover, and they come to different conclusions yep. than the, you know, typical reformed, even event uh, Christian today. You know, right. um, and so we have to have that guidance mm -hmm. that informs us rightly. You know, and even like to the degree where I think a lot of people where we struggle in the interpretation side of the Bible mm -hmm. is we look at it from a human lens rather than a divine lens in a sense of mm. we start asking the question, what does this mean to me? Right. And as soon as you ask that question, <laughs> you might just check it's the box. Over. You have hit heresy. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like that is not a good question to ask when reading the Bible. Yeah. It's, it's the better question to ask is what is the Holy Spirit revealing to me right what is the holy spirit saying through mm -hmm. the apostle paul when paul writes colossians galatians romans whatever asking questions what is paul wanting me to get out of this paragraph mm -hmm. or this verse or this chapter or right. whatever and summarize that to make sure that you don't miss it you mm -hmm. know because the easiest way for us to drift off into the deep end where we begin to think about god wrongly is to start off by simply asking the question what does this mean to me? Right. And at that point, we've already, we've already missed the mark. Right. And we start to drift farther from God mm -hmm. rather than to him. And the Holy Spirit helps put bumpers up, and, and he's the one that draws us into the heart of who God really, truly is. Right. 
you get into some major trouble when you come to the Bible with preconceived notions that has shaped your thinking or that has been shaped by culture you know your thinking shaped by culture is not what we want to bring to the bible we want to let the bible shape our view of our circumstances of culture and the bible even calls this is what i think christians struggle with a lot is because the bible calls the knowledge of god folly to the world you Mm -hmm. know people who aren't christians look at us and think you're crazy and that's something that people struggle with because people don't want to be known as crazy mm-hmm. or labeled as that. Um, but when we when we allow ourselves to let the Spirit reveal knowledge of God to us and insight into His Word, I think those fears will just drift away. Yeah, you know, and it's because that is allowing God to shape your view of Him, mm-hmm. and in doing so, that transforms you to look more like him and then you don't you don't care what the world thinks yeah well and and we should never allow our worldview to dictate our theology right we should always allow our theology to dictate our worldview Mm -hmm. like always and that's where i think you know one of the things that can be really important for people as they engage god with their mind is to not only read and study the bible but go find someone who wasn't alive in your world today mm-hmm. who has written about God mm-hmm. and see what they have to say about God. Yeah. Cause, cause they don't live in our worldview context. Right. right? So they don't have our 2020 context yeah. to, 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 to create a God in their mind. Right. They have 1800 context. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I love about reading uh, people like uh, Jonathan Edwards, mm-hmm. you know, or Charles Spurgeon, you yeah. know, you go back in time and you start reading some of these these men, these mm-hmm. faithful followers of God and how they write about God yeah. is so, can be so helpful for right. someone in our context today because we get to see a lens mm-hmm. like through them of right. who this God is and a rightful lens of who this God is from their theology that's not shaped by our worldview right. because they don't live in our time frame or right. to go find a uh, someone who lives outside of America's mm-hmm. time frame. You know, yeah. it's it's interesting when 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 you see some people who who gravitate towards the Bible even in our world today mm-hmm. who don't live in America or don't even live in a first world country yeah. who have written things that we can go read that talk about God in a beautiful yeah. unfiltered un-American kind of way right. without those lenses to where it's just the Bible coming off at the right. page. And so yeah. I think that can be really helpful when engaging, mm-hmm. you know, God with our minds is go find yourself a Jonathan Edwards or right. some older theologian yeah. who has lived years mm-hmm. ago that can really feed your soul in a way that, you know, th- that's unhindered by the current worldview that we mm-hmm. we inevitably face. Right. And you can do that all the way up, you know, to the very early church, the yeah. beginning of the church. And you can see how our theology has been shaped by you know terminology and things but you can also see how it's been shaped by the spirit and how someone who lived i don't know 100 AD had the same theology as we have now because the spirit has held that intact yeah yeah, yeah absolutely i mean like i have i have a book on my shelf from saint augustine yeah i mean that's like old old <laughs> old, old church history yeah. you know and uh like that's 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 super helpful right. to be able to read through his lens. And, and granted, like a lot of those books are they're hard to read yeah. because they don't write the way we do right now. Right. But that's 
might even be better because like you have to just slow down and be able to absorb what they're saying Mm -hmm. and and, and what they're reading. And so I I highly recommend if you haven't drifted towards some kind of, you know, major theologian that's, that's was around centuries ago. (laughs) Yeah, that's dead. I had to say that, (laughs) but that's been around. That was even centuries ago, you know, please do, you know, and, and start reading some of their works and let it, uh, let it just wash over you, you yeah. know? Um, I think that can be just hugely helpful mm-hmm. to be able to get yourself out of uh, the 2020, you know, view mm-hmm. um, and be able to even see God even more clearly right. um, in that way. You know, now granted, I say that, but don't. <laughs> well, there, there, there's, a, there's a bad part of that, right? Yeah. You can very easily make Jonathan Edwards your idol, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like, and people get close, <laughs> you know. Right. So like, there is like a danger in it, you know. Don't, 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 don't start being a follower of Jonathan Edwards. Right. Don't be a follower of Jonathan Edwards and not a follower of Jesus. Right. right? Don't let his his volumes and his works become your Bible. Right. You know, let it complement you know everything and right. be a resource on top of it. But there's still a lot of wisdom to be had in seeking out older. Right like literature and writings and and all that kind of stuff. They spent, you know, a lifetime studying the Bible and just dwelling on it, thinking about it, letting God reveal things to them. And I've only been like a Christian for, I don't know, 15 years, something like that. Well, yeah. And even to think like, just to think of the nature of their lifestyle. Like I've read a a little bit about like Edward's biography and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, I mean, and you go back to when he was alive. There weren't vehicles. There wasn't radio or TV to him to listen to. So when he would travel, he would either travel probably with an animal or on an animal or (laughs) walk, right? And I remember reading this this part of this biography that John Piper actually put together in one of his preaching books, which is interesting. (laughs) But Piper put was talking about preaching in, in light of Edwards and stuff like this. And anyway, in the book, Piper illustrates Jonathan Edwards' life. And it says that he would just, he would walk, you know, to someone's house or whatever. And mm-hmm. that entire time, he would just think about God. Think about God. You know, and, and yeah. when we're traveling to and from work, we have the radio on. We're probably maybe listening to this podcast. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're engaging somewhere else. But, you know, people in his day, they didn't have anything to do that, to right. distract them from their own mind. And so he would walk to different places and he would just engage God with his mm-hmm. head and he would meditate on the scriptures. And oftentimes Piper writes, Jonathan Edwards would get to his place or get to whatever destination he's trying to get to. And he would just be weeping mm. because his mind would just be so heavy on the Lord and his heart would be so filled with who God is that by the time he left his home and got to wherever he was going, mm-hmm. he just was bursting in, mm-hmm. in tears. And so you have people who not only have studied the Bible way longer than we have, right but also who have meditated on it probably longer than many of us ever will because they were free from the distractions of our 21st century lifestyle. That explains why they're so smart. (laughs) They are like, I mean, it really like it's, it's astonishing to see the wisdom that they put on these pages. Right. And you can tell this is someone who sat with the Bible and meditated on it and stewed over it for a lifetime and this is and now we get to read and benefit from that Mm -hmm. man what a grace yeah like a great gift and what a what a what grace of god that we get to have influencers like that and we've preserved their writings for us today yeah it's huge i mean honestly that just 
is the answer to the question, like, how do I even understand God? Like, how do I even begin this relationship with God? Well, you just spend time with him yeah, and you dwell on what he says and you dwell with him yeah, and let him reveal things about himself to you. Yeah. The more that you do that, the more you'll learn and the more you'll grow and the more you'll cherish him and delight in him. Yeah. I, I, I would challenge, you know, some of the, one of the things that I've been doing a lot lately is. I actually don't listen to a lot of music, and I really don't even listen to a lot of podcasts anymore, mm. just because my commute to except and from this one. except for this one, obviously. <laughs> uh, but my commute to and from work is so short. I mean, we live in Galveston; yeah. it's 15 <laughs> minutes tops, you know, to get from my house to the church. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's just—it's not a lot of time. But like, what I, what I'll do is, is I'll rarely will I put on music, and mm. rarely will I put on a podcast, and. Oftentimes, I'll just sit and drive and think about God mm. just because that's, you know, we have four kids at our house. There's not a moment of silence ever <laughs> um, unless we are all asleep. Um, but that's that's the moments in my day yeah. where I get to have peace, quiet, solitude and just dwell on the Lord, mm. you know. And I would encourage you, if you're not spending time meditating dwelling, thinking about God and engaging God in your mind that way, mm-hmm. man, find a way to make it a part of your rhythm because yeah. it is so, so, so vital right. because the convictions that begin to get stirred um, only, I feel like they only happen mm-hmm. when we begin to actually engage God in our mind through meditation. Yeah, which is not um, a common concept to people now just sitting in silence yeah well and we, we find it unproductive right like i'm a type three so like i love productivity <laughs> yeah. i'm a, on the enneagram scale i'm a three and so like i love productivity i love goals and i love accomplishing goals mm-hmm. checking things off to-do lists like right. i eat that up for like all the time like, yeah. like it's my favorite thing in the world but when i sit and meditate i don't feel like i'm accomplishing anything right mm-hmm. i'm just like staring at the wall right. you know but you can also meditate in different avenues, right? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things, like I just took a trip last week to Austin mm-hmm. to meet with the SBTC collegiate lead team and stuff like this. And I, I think I listened to one podcast that lasted for 30 minutes and it's a three and a half hour drive. <laughs> and the rest of that drive was silence yeah. because I knew like this is a moment for me to just be quiet and be mm-hmm. still yeah. while still driving my truck, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and so like find a, find a time, you know, to where you just put down noise mm-hmm. so that you can engage God with your mind. And that for some people, it might be a walk to class, yeah. you know, maybe use your headphones to block out noise mm-hmm. instead of putting noise in. Right. Uh, maybe it's a drive to work. Mm-hmm. You can find those creative moments to where it's not just you in a chair staring at the wall. Right. Uh, but also at the same time, get in a chair and stare at the wall, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, or get in a chair and just stare at the Bible and yeah. look at the same verse 20 different times and keep looking and keep pressing in yeah. on it and keep asking questions over mm-hmm. and over and over and over and over again until your heart is glad in yeah. God. You know, the, the whole purpose of engaging God with your mind is to make your heart happy with God, mm-hmm. right? right? That's the in, that's that's the end goal of engaging God with your head is to make your heart happy mm. with who God rightfully and truly is. Right. Not to make your heart happy with a, a false god. Yeah. To make your God happy to make your heart happy with with the true mm. one true God. Yeah. That's good. Well, before we wrap it up, is there anything else that we didn't hit on that you would like to share? Yeah, uh, I think the only thing I would reiterate is just that you know, this step, if you would call it that, or mm-hmm. this uh, part of 
the holistic view of being a biblical disciple of head, heart, and hands is just simply the first, you mm-hmm. know? And, and, and honestly, I think head feeds a lot of heart and it feeds a lot of hands. Um, but also heart and hands, I think, also can feed head, you know? And, and so this is just one of the, th- the three intricate, you know, uh, characteristics of a biblical disciple. Um, but it does have overflow in a very significant way to the others. And so yeah. don't think that, oh, all I need is right head knowledge and I'm good because you're not, you know, <laughs> not having heart right. and not having hands um, does not make you a true, authentic, biblical disciple, right? right. James tells yeah. us that even the demons believe and shudder, right? Mm-hmm. So that tells us that the demons have right theology right. of who God is. Satan quotes scripture Satan when, he tries, when he tries to uh, tempt Jesus in the desert. So Satan probably has uh, memorized more of the Old Testament than most of us have or ever will, you know. So those demon creatures have good theology of who God is. Right, head knowledge of who God is. Right, when Jesus steps onto the scene and he sees a demonic person, oftentimes in the Gospels that demon says, get away from me, son Son of of God, God. right? Uh, You don't see a human being make that proclamation until Mm -hmm. far later in the Gospels. Right. Um, and so they have right theology mm-hmm. of who God is, who Jesus is, but clearly are not followers of God. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's not when we talk about holistic biblical disciple, it's head, heart, hands, all collectively together, all equal mm-hmm. together. It's not w- one without the other two or right. two without the other one. It's all three. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, right. as we talk about the importance of head, you know, be sure to, to not think, oh, all I really need is right head knowledge. It's like, no, that's a great first step. Right. But your heart needs to be stirred yeah. to love the Lord and your hands uh, need to, to, to serve the Lord right. through faithful obedience to who he is. Yeah. And so um, that's my only last thing that I would say is mm-hmm. like it's so incredibly important, but it's at the same time equally important as the other two that we will also cover in this mini-series. Right, yeah, and that's a great segue into what we're going to be talking about next week. We'll focus on heart and the importance of having your affection stirred for the Lord and how you do that, what that produces within you. Um, and we're going to have that conversation with Emma, and I'm really excited about that. Um, so thanks so much for being here, Chris. I've really enjoyed this conversation about um, just knowing the true God of the Bible properly with your mind and how that works. Yeah, so. thank you so much for having me. Awesome.